welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, dude. So you're out in uh, you're out in Cal or uh, Cali. <laughs> you're out in uh, uh, Tennessee, right? Yes, sir. Gotcha. Oh yeah. I might see my wife in the background over here. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I've had my wife uh, barge in in here when uh, I've been doing these sometimes, and my granddaughter. She's come in here as well, and uh, you know now I, ha- I actually have a lock on the door, so because it gets a little crazy, man. She'll jump up here and climb up, you know, and like jump in the camera, and you know. So I mean, it's cute, but uh, we're actually watching them this weekend. So yeah, hell yeah. So what'd you do today, bro? Uh, we had church this morning, and then just got done with some dominoes for lunch. Nice. A tournament yesterday. It's yeah, that's what good. I heard. Yeah, I did all right yesterday. So you guys, uh, there was a tournament in Nashville Airsoft, right? Yes, sir. Gotcha. And because um, I saw the uh, post where one of you guys' uh, teammates got uh, married, right? Got hitched? Uh, I did. And then, yeah, I got married. Uh, me and her got married in June of last year. Yeah. Uh, so oh. we're going to D.C. in July um, for our anniversary. Oh, nice. Congrats, dude. Well, who was uh, who was it? Uh, Voorhees, I think? On the Praetorians? Oh, yeah, that was, yeah, that was the Praetorian, yeah. Right, right. I guess it's, yeah, you're, you're not on the uh, Praetorians, right? You're on a different team? I'm the owner for FRA. Okay, that's right. The uh, yeah. yeah, what? Yeah, tell tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so my name is Chris. Uh, I've been a firefighter for about four years. Uh, me and my old partner, he ended up moving to Kingsport, Tennessee, which is about five hours from me. Uh, when me and him, we were on this team called HCA. It, was, it stands for His Culture Airsoft, which kind of died out. Um, and they, we wanted to do tournaments and get into speed and stuff. I've been playing airsoft in general for 13 years. Um, and, yeah, and then uh, and I'm 25 now. And uh, and so I've been doing it competitively for about three to four years. Um, and so me and him wanted to get into doing uh, B. And so we were both like, well, we're both firefighters. We're both partners, uh, or used to be. And so we're, I've never seen a first responders-based team before. Um, so that's where FRA came into be. And so uh, we start. I started the team in January of 2001, or 2021, I'm sorry. Um, and so I've just been trucking along ever since. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I <laughs> I got confused. Sorry about that. I got confused because uh, I've had so many people since, um, like recently, I've had so many people reach out to me that uh, have or that you know are in your area, right? So um, when I had Huckleberry on, there was like four or five people that reached out, uh, you know, that play at uh, Nashville Airsoft. So, um, all these different teams, like Praetorians, HSA, because, 
you know, I I know Pumbaa, I know Houdini and oh. Akimbo and all these dudes, and um, and so, uh, and then of course now Huckleberry, uh, and then some people that you know are regulars at Nashville Airsoft, and of course you yeah. reached out. Now, is that how you um you found us? Because I don't think I found you on Instagram. Uh, did you find us from uh the Huckleberry. one with? Yeah, I did. Um, okay. So I'm also partnered with Matthew through X1. Um, gotcha. we're go- I'm go- I'll be going up next weekend to work with that for patch grab. Okay. Um, I also work with which the Matt, uh, the guy Matthew who's over it. He used to be on my team. Oh, and then he. Um, okay. I think you saw my live that I did uh, a couple days ago. Um, I was out for two months with shoulder. I've I've had shoulder issues since I started the fire department. There were class gotcha. I went through, and um, and then I had a pretty massive blood clot to that same arm. Oh so, damn! And then I sprained my ankle and strained it from soccer and stuff. And so I was out for two months. And, uh, so the the team kind of just kind of um, dwindled a little bit. So I'm in a rebuilding phase right now. Um, he, he ended up leaving and starting another team. Um, the people on X1 that wanted to play, but they weren't FRA material. Um, cause they were just getting into it and I'm, we're more of an experienced team. Yeah. So, uh, he wanted to do something for them, which I completely understand that. So. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah, that's uh. So you started your team. You so you guys pretty much just get um like people that have been that know what they're doing, basically. People that have been yeah, playing for a little while. Yeah, at this point, yes. Um, whenever we first started, we were just getting into speed. We didn't know much about it either. We were learning about it and you know getting tips and tricks from these other teams uh like elite before they were elite and slaughter and praetorian and stuff like that and uh getting our feet wet so to speak we were, as we were getting into it we started training new people and that we just grown throughout the two and a half years we were as a team yeah. um but as we've grown and stuff and wanting to travel and do all these other things we're more looking for more experienced people to we don't want to go backwards and start training and bringing up again, but yeah. if that's what we need to do, then um, um, do so. That's what we're good at doing is training new people. Well, yeah. So, how big is your team right now? Like, how many people you have on there that are solid, like that know that are experienced and know what they're doing? Um, I'd say about five or six right now. Okay. Something so you like have that. you have a good core group of guys that if you brought on like one new guy that really doesn't know that much or, you know, is fairly new, you could all train him pretty easily. But if you bring on like two or three that don't know what they're doing, it's, uh, it makes it way harder. Yeah. The hard thing with Nashville right now is I've always said, since I've done this sport for so long, every five years, the, the tables turn with paintball and airsoft. It's like, gotcha. In five years, you know, airsoft is on top and paintball is down, and then it reverses. Yeah. They're like, rentals are taking over the world, and all the experienced <laughs> people are going to paintball. 
Or just happen to be in this section right now where rentals are taking over the world. Gotcha. So, uh, majority of the people in Nashville are new people or rentals or, um, or little or younger kids. Uh, there's no one really left that's my age or like, you know, in their twenties that aren't already on a team. Yeah. To, you know, to pull over. Um, that's a big thing with trying to travel too, is like, you can't pick up 13 year olds because you're going to think you're kidnapping them. (laughs) Right. Go to Indiana. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's difficult to travel to a tournament, uh, without their parents, you know, going or, yeah. Right. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, I never heard it put that way. Uh, like the cycle where, um, you know the the rentals, the newbies, the the young younger generation, like um, just flooding the the airsoft community. I think that's um, especially with the indoor stuff, because like mill sims, you don't really have that. Mill sims are, um, you know, you can have minors at mill sims, but they're with their parent. They have to be with their they parent, have to be with their parent uh, right. or guardian. You know, like it has to be. Um, it's a huge commitment. So you don't really see a whole lot of that with uh, mill sims, uh, well, as far as the, you know, rentals, right. You'll have new people, but they, uh, they're way more invested because they took all these uh, months to, uh, buy, uh, you know, the time and money to put into uh, all their gear for the mill sim. Uh, I mean, you don't show up in, uh, Shorts, a t-shirt, and tennis shoes, and a mill sim. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> so it's uh, it's a huge commitment, but um, yeah, a lot of the indoor fields. I mean, I guess that's where a lot of people start out, right? I mean, if a new person, they don't really know. Like, hey, we played uh, probably the most common, right? They played um, you know, airsoft with the springers in their backyard. That's what I was going to Yeah, yeah, and then uh, okay, where's the uh? All right, we're we're a little older now. We're sixteen, seventeen. Uh, we can, you know, buy an actual airsoft, you know, a real gun, uh, airsoft gun, and then, you know, that shoots decent. Where can we go shoot? Like, uh, where's where's the next step? You know, and it's always like the indoor, or it might be outdoor, but it's like a smaller kind of venue. You know, pickup games yeah. and open plays and stuff. But uh, yeah, I could see. Um, if there's not a good mix of uh, experienced players at that field and there's a lot of rentals or new, you know, newbies, I could see the, um, the kind of, it, it could be chaotic and kind of hard <laughs> to pick out some, <laughs> some people. Oh yeah. Right. It's like when, with indoor, it's like, especially when you have all these rentals and you've got few experienced people that to get you out of spawn. It's like probably the most irritating thing is whenever you hit a rental, they're out way out in the open and you hit them two or three times and then they're like, oh crap. And then they duck back into cover and they start shooting at you. <laughs> like it just makes you like head like slap Like, dude, in the head. these aren't warning <laughs> shots. We actually hit you. That means you got to call it. Okay, get the fuck out. You're out. Okay, you're out. <laughs> That's not a warning to go back into cover and keep shooting. It's funny. 
It's like my guns, like, I guess I've been doing this for about 13 years. And so I don't go and spend, like, $1,500 on a monk. Like, How dare you? You, you need to. You need to. <laughs> All I've heard now. since I started these podcasts, you know, uh, basic guns are shit. And if you don't spend two grand on a freaking gun, then your gun's probably shit. Okay, uh, it I, it just blows me away, man. Like I, when um, my boys start getting into this, and we're talking, and they're like, "Yeah, this this gun's probably gonna shoot crappy because it was only two hundred eighty dollars." I'm like, "What? What? Like, bro? To me, that's expensive. Like, that shit should work." Well, you know? my guns like. If I went and sold, like I, like for tournaments, I use, it's a Wolverine Inferno that's been completely decked out, and then I have a Fusion that's nice. been completely decked out. If I went to go sell them, I could easily get $1,000 for each one of them. Yeah. I spend that much to build it? Absolutely not. No, uh-uh. Like, I, I know how to play the game with trades and deals and stuff, and still get, like, good equipment, make a just as good as a monk. Right. So just with basic tech experience and you know, knowing how to play the trade game. Yeah. Like my fusion, like I got brand new, but I sold I traded it for some for another gun. It was way less I got a I got really blessed with it. Um I put way less money into get or for what I traded for for it. This like because he wanted like twelve hundred bucks for this gun. Ooh. Mine was maybe only worth four hundred. Yeah, he was willing to trade it. I was like, cool. <laughs> oh, that's wild. Yeah, yeah. And I ended up picking him up on my team, and uh, so I got an extra player. I got a brand new. I got a new gun that I wanted. So yeah, it was a win-win situation. Yeah, so. we uh, we did something similar, and I, honestly, I can't remember the. The gun we traded for it was a pistol, though some type of pistol, and because you know we were doing unboxings and reviews, so we would do all these reviews, and then we would have people request reviews, and um, so we got this uh, fifty cal sniper, you know, replica, whatever, uh, six millimeter brand or whatever. Uh, it was really cool, you know, a spring sniper. It looked badass. Had the big flared, um, you know, muzzle brake on the end. Uh, and then we traded that for some kind of pistol or something like that. I I think it was a fairly even trade, maybe. But I guess the... I mean, it just it really depends. I think we got a better deal, honestly. Yeah. But the guy, as far as, like, cost, right, for uh, or value of the gun. But the guy was... He had a bunch of pistols already. Uh, and he wanted that particular sniper. So it worked out great, you know, but um, yeah, the trade thing can be really cool. And the cool thing too was it ended up, uh, he was local to us and um, we were able to, he was about hour and a half away. We were able to meet at an airsoft field uh, called airsoft Columbia. And um, they're no longer around right now. There's, they're opening up a new field soon, but uh so we met there and we made like a night of it, right? They went and played and I got to meet a bunch of people. I took a bunch of pictures. I actually made a video for our channel about 
you know, Airsoft Columbia. It, was, it worked out really good. But yeah, sometimes those trade things can be uh, great in uh, Airsoft because it's not necessarily the, uh, you know, equal dollar amount that you're going to be trading. It's whatever is most valuable to that person. Like if they haven't, you know, been able to get this one particular thing, then, you know, that's, that's how it goes. Oh yeah. I'd say trout. Like whenever I, I go on vacation a lot. So of course when I go on vacation, I've got to find the field. Just like (laughs) I have to on the itineraries. I have to find a new field I've never been to. So like I, when we're going how's to your wife, how's field. your wife with that? She like, oh my god, you're looking for a field when we're on vacation. She's she's really cool with it. Uh, she, I've tried to get her into it as well. Yeah. Um, I built her an AEP that she really likes. Yeah. Oh, um, nice. Which she's a girly girl, so she's yeah. like, I want it pink. I want it bedazzled. It's got to be all <laughs> the, you know, like shiny and stuff. And so yeah. I had to paint this AEP like pink. And she wants me to put it bedazzled and stuff on it, and I'm like, "There you go. Whatever you do, you boo." And uh, when we go to DC uh, in July, I've been to Balahack before. Okay. I went for Rev Ten, and I've got an Amoeba. Yeah, I've got an Amoeba Striker uh, that I custom painted. I've actually got it in the closet if you want to see it. Yeah, absolutely, man. These are show and tell, bro. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah. So this is an Amoeba Striker I got from Georgia. Nice. And I got it signed by Swamp Sniper while I was there. Oh, nice, dude. But um, I custom painted it because I went for Rev, and it's like in a post-apocalyptic event. Right. Um, I put I painted it like red and black, and so yeah. I put this like custom dragon head on the stock. Whoa. How'd you do that? Bro? Yeah. Cut out How'd a you stencil. do that? Yeah, I, just, I found a picture online yeah. and just cut it out and put it over it and then oh. spray painted over it. Dude, it turned out really like, good. Like the lines, the edges are really crisp. Damn. Okay. And there's like leaves on it and stuff, so it looks like a. I really like it. I never use it anymore, but there's a big leaf on the other side. Yeah, so. very cool. And then I've got. I actually have um, a G36 that was made by JG. They don't. They don't even make it anymore. That oh, brand, that that company doesn't make it anymore. No, we got a we got yeah. one. I think we had one JG. It was uh some. I think it was a shotgun. Did they make, used to make shotguns or something? I don't know. Maybe. I think it was like really really early in our channel, and we got it, and we were looking up the brand like we didn't even know. And there was uh, yeah, it was like this really stubby, uh, like a short, sawed off type of shotgun, um, that fed from the bottom. And the shells we got, yeah, I think that was a uh, JG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got this uh, G36C off of Amazon. This was 10 years ago. Yeah. And um, and so I bought it. I ran it as an AG for, long, for a while, and I never started to never use it because I kept having wiring issues. Mm. So then whenever I got into being competitive, uh I was like, I want to get into HBA, but I'm like, I, I want to be unique. I'm like, what's something that you've never seen before, HBA before? And so I'm like, I've never seen a G36 HBA. Mm. So I put an Inferno in it. That's now, an, I, I ended up taking out the Inferno from my G36 and put it in my tournament gun now. 
Okay. Um, which I've got that in the closet too. Yeah. So this is my G36. I've also custom painted this one too. Dude. <laughs> You're uh y- yeah, I think um you got some talent there, bro. And I like double stat leaves on the top. It's hard to tell it from this, but and uh, Matt Demo, um, he came down to Nashville. Okay. I think it was either last year or the year before. Nice. And I showed it to him, and he was like, yeah, this same gun was his first gun when he started. Nice. Same brand, everything. Right. So I got him to sign it. Oh, shit. That, yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's right, right there. Yep, I see it. So, Shout I got out Demo, man, for real. Yeah, and then I uh, I met Jet Desert Fox. Okay. And uh, in Kentucky. Nice. And he signed my Fusion for me. Dude, that's so, cool. Hell yeah. I, I like getting signatures from famous people. Yeah, for <laughs> sure, man. I have. Um, do you know uh, Jammer Actual on Instagram? It's uh, the guy that plays. Uh, Call of Duty Ghost. Oh yeah, you yeah, know yeah, the yeah. Call of Duty Ghost and his and his dog. <laughs> yeah, um, Call of Duty Rex. So he was at um, he was uh-huh. at SS Airsoft yeah. for the Call of Duty event, and uh, I met him down there and had him sign one of our uh, airsoft guns. Yeah, there you go. Oh yeah, yeah. That G thirty sits. I uh, yeah, I put the Wolverine in it. I got a M4 adapter for it so I could run M4 Mads in it for tournaments. Yeah. I, that thing was a headshot machine. People oh, hate shit. It, did that gun. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So do, are you uh, are you originally from Tennessee? You grew up in the area that you're at now? Yes, yeah, sir. So um I was, uh, originally grew up in a small town called Charlotte, Tennessee. Uh, which it's in Ditson County, which is uh, about a five minutes to an hour west of Nashville. Yeah. Um, I lived there all my life. Uh, in 2012, uh, my house burnt. And so, yeah, it was the summer before my freshman year of high school. So oh, I was out from on crutches from a broken heel. My house burnt. So, um, that happened. And then my dad almost passed away from. Uh, blood clots in his lungs the same year. Um, Damn. And so after that, uh, we moved to Ditson, and I've been here ever since. Yeah. Damn, that's crazy, bro. Did you? How'd you break your heel? I don't even remember to be honest. Yeah. Well, my worst injury was I had a stage four dislocation of my kneecap. Uh, so my patella was ninety degrees to the left. Ugh. Four hours. And uh, they gave me fentanyl at the doctor at the um, hospital. Yeah, knocked me out. And I came back <laughs> about an hour and a half later, and it's still the same way. I'm like, what are these people doing? I'm like, what? Put my lead back in place, please. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Okay. That that was from soccer because I used to be a keeper. Because I'm six six. Okay. So, um, when I play speed, I'm obviously a home player. Um, but I, my training with the fire department, I've learned, um, if you take like a normal chair, 
like a wooden chair that you'd sit in, like like a kitchen chair or something, like a kitchen chair or something. Yeah. Um, the small space underneath a kitchen normal kitchen chair is about twelve inches. Okay. You can get to that front of a kitchen chair with an air pack on, like a big firefighter air pack thing. I can squeeze through the bottom of a chair with all my gear on. We have Whoa. to learn to get through Jesus. very, very small spaces with yeah. no room at all. And so, yes, I'm six, 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 seven, but I can play snake easy. I've done it before with guns all the time. So, you people can tell lay me really low, yeah. Tell me all the time, they're like, you're too tall, you can't play snake, you can't do this, you can't do that. <laughs> and I'm like, I tell people all, all the time, like new people, that want to get into it, I'm like, your body might not, like, be optical for this position, but it's the way that you adapt to it to make it work for you. Mm -hmm. So for me, yes, I'm tall, but use... You're tall and thin, so you can lay lay down and disappear. Yeah. That's cool. Hell yeah. Dude, that's a... 12 inches just crawling through that with packs on. That's uh, yeah, that's not easy to do. <laughs> Another drill that we have this big wooden box, and it's the whole inside of it's covered in wires. They're like all, all mismatched and everything oh, in the box. Right. And we have to be able to get to that box with all oh of our God. gear on. And we do it blindfolded. Oh, that's crazy, bro. So I know some of what you're talking about because. Um, I, uh, you know, running electrical wire, like, uh, flipping houses, you know, you do everything. So you do drywall, paint, electrical, plumbing, like, uh, you know, pretty much everything. And, uh, so crawling under a house and you've got the plumbing lines, drain lines, you know, all that stuff. And you have to, sometimes it's too, they're too low to the ground. So you have to crawl, crawl over them. And then you're, so you're squeezing, you know, in between the, the top, uh, and then, you know, over the drain line, like, uh, and then there's cables running through there, you know, some houses, bro, have like just a bunch of cables running through because they had, um, you know, with all these different services over the years, they'll run new cable lines. They don't take the old ones out. You got shit running all over the place. And, uh, so it is difficult. And then you're dragging your tool bag with you to work on shit. So <laughs> it's, uh, oh yeah. Or you're running wire, you know, so you're dragging wire under there and trying to feed it up through the holes so the guy can uh, put it in the box. And yeah, yeah, I get it. That's how my old house was. Me and my dad used to have to go underneath the house and do all kinds of stuff. And it was, it was tight. So yeah, it is. Yeah, it's not it's not pretty either, man. There's you know, cobwebs and mud sometimes if the plastic's worn out and you know, dead squirrels and who knows, you know, dead varmints that, you know, tried to live under there and got trapped and <laughs> We had a we had a call once where like someone had a fire that was in the flooring of a trailer. And so me and my actually my pastor at church is my new partner. And so, uh, me and him had to go underneath the house, everything you're, you're talking about, to try and yeah. find where this fire was in the middle of the flooring. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's crazy. 
and talked to my my dad is the chief where I'm a firefighter at. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah, he's been doing it for about 34 years. Damn. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. He he and knows he knows what he's doing. So he's upstairs up in the house, and we're talking to each other the floor. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. To figure out where this is at. <laughs> uh huh. Dude, that's crazy. Okay. Yeah, the craziest thing that we found, like, demoing some of these houses was uh, one house, we found three kind of unique items, okay? And this was all in the attic. So we busted out this, we took out all the walls. We we knocked this thing down to uh, all studs. Every, we took every wall out, every ceiling out. Like, everything was, was bad. And um, pretty old house, had a lot of water damage, and... Um, so we, uh, this was a 2,200 square foot house. Okay. So it was a lot of space. Well, the one, uh, attic part right above the living room, the main living room, we walk in the front door. So I'm knocking the ceiling down and, uh, all, of course leaves and dust, you know, of course the insulation and stuff, but a bunch of big pack of leaves and stuff, dried leaves and everything. I'm like, Oh, something nested up there. Right. So then a dead squirrel falls out, dried up, you know. And then there was a, um, you know, the old vinyl records. Okay. So, you know, the little ones, the 45s, the 45 uh, RPM ones. So one of those fell out and it was like Motown or some kind of like R&B kind of uh, vinyl. I was like, oh, that's cool shit. And then um, a 70s porn mag fell out. Okay. 1970s uh, porno (laughs) mag fell out. And then a pack of uh, poker cards that were like 1970s porn. So it was all naked chicks on this uh, deck of cards. <laughs> so I took pictures of all this shit. I was, you know, we were. It was just funny, man. You know, finding all this old stuff in this uh, in this one house where <laughs> all this stuff came out. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Yep. We haven't found any dead bodies yet, so that's that's a good thing. Yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Now, what got you into, uh, well, I was going to say what got you into firefighting, but obviously your dad, right? Yeah. Okay. And you uh, you saw that and you were interested, like, do you have any siblings? I'm an only child, actually. Only child? Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I had, a, I had two previous chiefs before my dad became chief to try and gotcha. get me to join. And, uh, so I did that volunteer. And so I could get called out at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. That's why us firefighters, we run off of coffee. Yeah. Oh, for we, sure. we, we're, we don't have blood in our veins. We have coffee. <laughs> right. And so you get a call at three o'clock in the morning, get off that call and then have to go straight into my actual job. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm going to have to have coffee. And, uh, which my actual job is I'm a pharmacy tech. Okay. I always tell t- new people I meet, I'm like, I run into burning buildings for fun, and I deal drugs on the side. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then you go shoot ju- people at night. Yeah, oh, no, you shoot people on the weekend. Damn, you sound like a legit criminal, bro. All right. <laughs> That's crazy. I'm like, so yeah, how'd, you, how'd you get into that, the pharmacy thing? Actually, kind of, it fell in my lap. Um, I've always been interested in the medical field. Uh, yeah. dad's also a paramedic. And so, um, 
my dream was to actually be a physical therapist with a nursing bachelor to fall back gotcha. on. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And in Tennessee, it's the it's one of the hardest degrees to get into because uh, there's only four universities in the state that take it, and they only take about 20 students a year. Jeez. And you have to have like a 3.8 GPA to even be looked at. Um, gotcha. And gotcha. Me having the background that I have, I'm not book smart. I'm street smart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or hands-on smart. Right. So, uh, tried EMT school twice. The first time I got screwed out of my license. And uh, there was a big fraud and forgery case against my instructors. And oh my uh, nobody got refunded and no one got their license. And it was a whole Holy big deal. shit. So how yeah. does that work? Like the, um, now did you, when you were going to the class, did they, did you learn a bunch of, you learned all this normal stuff. Yeah, like they were just, I, uh, your teachers weren't licensed or something. They were licensed. The The problem was, was so one of my instructor wasn't even there the first week of school. And yeah. whenever he got, got there the second week, he was like, hi, I'm such and such. I've, d- I've done this for this long. I don't care about you as much as you don't care about me. So it was just really, really unprofessional. Yeah. And he didn't really teach us much. Um, gotcha. but we still got stuff out of it, of course. Mm-hmm. And whenever uh, the second semester hit is when COVID started. Oh. And so all the book stuff, like we were supposed to learn was all supposed to be the first half of the semester. Uh-huh. And then the second half was supposed to be all the skill stuff. Right. Since the second half was all when COVID started, everyone went to, you know, Zoom calls. Zoom calls, yeah. Yeah, and so the only time that we were able to do the skill stuff was for like an hour session once. Um, and we all had to go up separately. It was one at a time for like an hour or two to learn all these skills. Yeah. Every other class was on Zoom call, and so it was it was a nightmare. Yeah, I went through that, and then last year I went back through it again, uh, but it was a much more accelerated class. Okay, so um, that was a nightmare as well. Mm. They just lost their director the the year before, and so they had a new person come in and do it. Oh shit! And I had like eight different instructors, and nobody was on the same page. Oh my god! Yeah, it was it was a mess. Oh, uh, the the lady who came in that did my pharmacology lesson for EMT school. Yeah, the paramedic and a pharmacist. Okay, so I got to relate to her a lot. Right, and uh, I. I I gained a lot of knowledge from it, which I'm kind of like the Nashville medic or medical person when I'm there. Gotcha. Had man, I've had like MCL tears, ACL tears. I've had uh, one guy or one kid went into a diabetic ketoacidosis. Oh shit! Um, several different medical things that's happened um, at Nashville that they're like. They, they, as soon as they it, something happens, they come and yell for me. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like, uh, "So, I'm the medical per- person for that." Whenever I travel and stuff, I'm the medical person for all the teams there. So oh, that's I, good to have, though. Like on the airsoft field, uh, yeah. especially if you do like outdoor stuff or big tournaments, like outdoors where it's hot, you know. 
Because a lot of people that play, they think, uh, I don't know where this came about. Maybe they're watching too much. I don't know. I don't know where it came about. But apparently, a lot of airsofters don't know that to stay hydrated, you need to drink water or Pedialyte. And they're like, oh, no, Gatorade and energy drinks. <laughs> like, bro. Pepper. <laughs> yeah. You know, what the hell? It's Now, there are some flukes out there. Like, um, this guy I served with, when I got back from overseas, I was stationed at Pendleton out in Cali. And one of the guys I was stationed with uh, in our company, and he was uh, a lot older than us. So I was uh, 21 when I came back from overseas. He was like close to 30, which to a 21-year-old, that's fucking old as shit, right? He's old man. (laughs) So, Well, thank you for your service. Oh, yeah, man, of course. What would you do? And um, I did – so I met this dude. And we call his last name was Johnson. We all, you know, we all went by our last names and, um, he would be, he was scrawny as hell. Okay. He was about five, nine scrawny as hell smoked like a chimney. I mean, like a legit real, uh, chain smoker lighting the next one with the previous one. Okay. Like he never used a lighter because he was always, uh, lighting it with the next one. He constantly, it was like three packs a day. Um, all he drank was Dr. Pepper, and he liked it warm. Okay? The dude was from Texas. Oh. He taught me how to catch rattlesnakes, and he was fucking great at it. Okay? Fearless oh, as hell. Just a, look. His skin looked like a, a leather bag. Okay? Just rough and wrinkly. Like, no hydration. I was like, dude, you want to put some lotion on yourself or whatever? You look like you're about to blow away like in a dust. Okay? Um, but we would go out for PT. You know, for the training and for our uh, our tests, we would have to run three miles. We do uh, push up or um, pull ups, sit ups, and then run three miles. Okay, in a certain amount of time, he beat everybody in the company. <laughs> I'm talking everybody. He got always got the highest scores. Uh, the highest score was uh, 18 minutes or less uh, for three miles. Okay, he would win. He would be smoking a cigarette at the starting line. Flick it or, you know, twist it out, put it in his pocket, go, beat everybody. By the time we all get there, uh, it's like he's standing there smoking a cigarette, drinking warm Dr. Pepper. He never drank water. I just – he and he never fell out of a run. Like, he never had heat exhaustion. I don't know what the fuck was was up with this dude. He was like an alien. But, um, yeah, he – so you do have some people like that, but that's super rare. <clears throat> Most people – uh, when they go on the airsoft field, what I've heard all these stories is, uh, they think, uh, oh, energy drinks. Oh yeah. It'll give me energy. I can do all this. Uh, and after like an hour in the field, they have all this gear on that they're not used to wearing. The sun's blaring down on them and they're about to fucking pass out. They're like seeing spots and they can't hardly, you know, move around cause they had like a fucking donut for breakfast and energy drink. And they didn't drink any water the previous two days. It's so crazy. So it's good to have somebody like you out there on the field to take care of these dudes that uh, don't know a lick about, you know, hydration. Right. <laughs> it may, like, my normal, like, I drink so much coffee. Like, caffeine doesn't affect me with, like, energy. Yeah. 
Same. So, and so, like, for me, like, my daily routine, is, when I worked at 9 to 5.30 at, at the pharmacy, I wake up in the morning, I get my bowl of oatmeal, I have my coffee, and three Java chip Oreos, because it's the best Oreo on the planet. What is it now? The Java chip Oreo. So it's Java like, chip Oreo? So it's got, like, an Oreo-flavored cream filling. Yeah. Inside. And I have that twice a day, and like I'll have the the second one is I get home from work and it's like my relaxing me time. Yeah, we got we gotta have me time. Of course. So, but that's my norm. And then I'll have like a Dunkin' Donuts like large coffee like right gotcha. before work. Uh huh. Okay. And I'll yeah. drink water throughout work. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's funny, man. Now, have you? Uh, do you play mostly indoors, or do you do? Do you kind of switch it up? Do you play uh, Milsim at all, or have you ever played Milsim? I've never done Milsim. Um, one of my buddies that uh, he's big into it, and I just never have gotten the chance to do it with him. Um, I mostly play indoor, but I'll switch it up depending on the type of year. I'll go and gotcha. I'll play at our outdoor field in, in the spring or fall. Yeah. Because um, the wintertime in HPA just does not work out. Um, mm. Summertime, it's um, with a dye mask. It's just super hot. Yeah. Um, which I used to wear, like, the, the classic old school, like, goggles and a mesh mask. Yeah. And um, the last time I did that, uh, I got my eye shut out. Your eye. Well, it didn't get shot out because you, you don't have a glass eye, do you? Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, well, like, so so what happened is, like, you know, like... Uh, Did it ricochet inside? Yeah. So, oh, you shit. know how there's that gap, like, itty-bitty little gap in the mesh mask and the goggles? Yeah. So someone from my left shot me, like, right here in the side of the nose. Yep. My nose and went into my goggles and hit me in the eye. Dude, that's so, crazy. Yeah, and so my my eyes are naturally blue, and so my right eye was blue, and my left eye was brown. What? Was a blood, yeah. So my my uh, there was a blood clot, and oh, the color like of a my blood eye. blister. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, so uh, as soon as it happened, my eyesight went completely black. I'm sure. In my left eye, and I have a right lazy eye with double vision. Gotcha. So everything I, I don't even use it. Oh man! Is everything I see with my right eye? It's blurry, and I see two of it. Holy shit! Really, with like tournaments and stuff, if I shoot right-handed, it's kind of a cheat code. Yeah, because I can see you before you even see me. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> yeah, and so, so uh, damn, yeah, bro. Yeah, my eye went fully black and then fully white. Yeah. Then they put me on a eye drop called atropine, which dilates the pupil all the time. Okay. Thought that was or the yeah the blood clot that was in the coloring of my eye to dissipate. Oh, okay. And so I was stuck on bed rest for a week. Mm-hmm. Um. So and it sucked because my good eye was affected. I get home and I can't watch TV. Jesus. I can't. I can't look at my phone. Can't text anybody, bro. Because 
both eyes are now blurry. Everything I'm looking at is blurry. God dang. So, yeah, it was rough. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I got to say, I think, uh, you know, when you see these shows or movies or even like, um, you know, you hear about stories where <clears throat> somebody's has some kind of handicap like that, like a blind or they're deaf or something. Or you play these games with your friends like, um, all right, if you had to choose, which one would you, you know, rather lose? Your hearing or your sight? And nobody ever wants to lose their sight, bro. Like it is is <laughs> 100% the worst <laughs> when it comes to that as far as, you know, between those two. Yeah. So now how long did it take for your your damaged eye? That got shot. How long did it take to for you to be able to see? About a week. Okay. Damn. No, that's an adjustment. Yeah, and so a lot of people when it happened, they were like, "Why do you keep doing this?" <laughs> I'm like, I deal with Karens on a normal day basis. This is <laughs> this is my stress relief. I'm like, is letting uh, out the inner funny. frustration on other people. Listen, bro. With that week that you were uh, that the week that you couldn't see, your wife's probably like, "Can you please stop pissing on the floor?" Okay, the toilet's right here. <laughs> no, I didn't even know her yet. Whenever that happened, oh, okay. that, was, uh, that was about four or five years ago. Gotcha. Happened, but I yeah. was like, "Yeah, I'll never do that again," and that's why I always wear a die now. Yeah. The uh, so. so the couple milsims I've been to just as uh, press. Um, and my boys have been to a bunch of them. The uh, Third Coast Airsoft, one of their mm-hmm. big requirements is full seal strapped glasses or, yeah. you know, goggles or whatever. But And they check them. Like, you can't have big gaps. Like, it's got to be, right. you know, the seal has to touch all the way around. And there's a, there's somebody that um, I saw over the last couple of days that have been posting. Um, somebody I've had on the podcast, he's been posting um, – from the field where he went to, he was talking about his mm-hmm. fields, you know, really good guy. But, uh, in the video, the goggles he has, they're pretty big and they're flared out and the sides right here, they don't touch his yeah. temple. So there's this giant gap you can see in the video that he's doing. And I'm going, oof, bro. Uh, like you, you think, okay, it's a one in a million chance that a BB is going to find its way from this way into this big gap. Right. Right. Uh, and it will. I don't yeah. know what it is. They're like, uh, I think BBs, airsoft BBs are like, um, they, they, I don't know if they can sense human skin, <laughs> but they always fucking find it. I was talking to somebody and they're like, yeah, the one day I didn't wear gloves, I got my knuckles just wrecked, you know, and I'm like just barely peeking out and they just, you know, uh, or <clears throat> I was, um, what was it? This one guy had uh some injury on his wrist it was like from the where the glove stopped and the just this one inch spot of where his uh skin was exposed is where he got shot and he had this big thing or some grenade or something went off and it was uh so yeah like i would not take chances with my eyeballs when it comes to that i know the the fogging issue is a huge issue yeah um and you know, X fog is a 
lifesaver for a lot of people. You know, the X-Fog system. But, um, there, you know, there's a couple options out there. But die masks, I think, are probably hands down one of the best, quickest, easiest option for safety. It covers your whole face, big viewing area for your eyes, right, for your vision. And they've got vents up the top so it doesn't fog up as much, you know. Yeah, they're good. And you can get them custom painted. So, uh, you know, Rogue Customs, I don't know if you follow him yeah. on Instagram. Yeah, He's got I some badass work. paint jobs. Yeah. He does. Hell yeah, dude. So now, did you, uh, how did you meet your wife? So I've known, uh, I've known Kia for about five years. Okay. Uh, so I met her through Matthew, who you're going to be doing the podcast with, I think the 17th or 18th, I believe. Oh. Uh, the guy that's over at Swan. Um, so oh, I met, okay. I've known him for a while, and we we used to go to two different churches, and we would always meet up at Cookout. It's a restaurant. Fuck and, uh, Shout out Cookout, bro. We love Cookout here, too. Yeah. <laughs> and so we would go to Cookout after Wednesday night service. And that's how I met her. And uh, oh, I'm, Matthew Trimble. Yep. Uh, yep. The nineteenth uh, uh, Friday. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. And uh, so I had liked her for about two and a half years. Yeah. Uh, she had nothing to do with me. She wanted nothing to do with me. We were we were friends and stuff, and um, and then we we stopped talking for about seven or eight months, and then she saw me at the store, and then we started hanging out again, and we would hang out for like. Till three o'clock in the morning, like every night for a yeah. couple weeks, and she was like, uh, "You know, I know you used to like me. I don't know if you did, still do or not, but like, you know, I don't, I don't want anything to, you know, to go for, further. I know we've been hanging out a lot. If you start feeling something, let me know." And I'm just like, I'm "Gonna come out and just expose it." I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, no, right. Just friends." And uh so we started still hanging out every night, and uh, and she said something. I don't remember exactly what she said. She said something about like any girl would have, or I'd be lucky to have a guy like you. Mm. And this was at like one thirty, two o'clock in the morning. And uh, so I'm like, well, he's out there somewhere. I don't know where, <laughs> but he's out there somewhere. Hmm, she's like, well, let me yeah. think. <laughs> yeah. And so she was like, what do you mean? I'm like, you say you didn't want anything. And she was like, get in the car. So <laughs> talk for like another hour. You got to learn how, you know, this is, uh, you got to pick up on the, what they're laying down, man. This is like, uh, they're being coy. Okay. Like that's the game. All right. It's okay. It's like, yeah. Oh, uh, we dated, uh, we dated knowing to get married. And, uh, so the way I proposed to her is I took her on, uh, her first family vacation with my parents to Myrtle yeah. Beach. And she'd never seen a lighthouse before. And so I, I took her out to the middle of the ocean on this island and uh, proposed to her out on the beach on this island. Oh, shit. Uh, out in the middle of the ocean. So Damn, look at you being romantic. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, That's cool, and we got, dude. And we got married last June. Okay. Awesome. So. That's cool. Yeah, it's always like it's funny, you know, the game like uh uh you can't admit in the very beginning of a relationship, you know, that you real like you're a little 
most people, you know, it's that, uh, oh, I don't want to TMI somebody, right? Yeah. yeah like, uh, like, oh, no, I really, really like you, you know, like, oh, why? Like, we just went to dinner, <laughs> big deal, you know, what the hell? Um, so there's always that chance. So there's always that game, you know, you know, oh, my. What you like her? No, man, I don't like her. What are you talking about? You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's funny how it's funny how we do that as kids, and we still do that as adults. Because you know, sometimes a uh, a new relationship, you're not really sure how the other person feels, and you you know, if they're not going to be too honest, then you don't want to be too honest. So it's a process. Now my wife and I, we uh we were um we met in high school and we hung out for uh some from the time we graduated high school in June of that year until I went to boot camp in October. And then she went to college, I went to the military, and um and you know, I came home from boot camp. She actually came to my graduation, so we hung out, you know, some more. Then I went to uh Japan for a year. So when I went to Japan, I was like, hey, look, we're 19. You just go do your thing. I'll do my thing. I'm going to be gone. You know, this is before the internet. This is 1990. Okay. So no internet, no video calls, no, no nothing like that. So uh, it was all handwritten letters um, that take uh, a very long time to get over there. So, uh, you know, it was, uh, we just kind of lived our own life apart. And then when I came back, then we kind of, you know, we're like, so, you want to hang out? Yeah, let's hang out. You know, we were, we still felt that way after all that time apart. So to me, you know, it, it, for both of us, it was kind of like we jumped right in, you know? So just a few months after I was back from overseas, uh, I proposed to her. But, um, but yeah, that was, you know, sometimes when you know, like if there's that chemistry with somebody, <clears throat> you just know, man, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's hard to like, not know really yeah my parents have about the same love story as you do you and your wife do okay uh, yeah my my dad was my mom's first boyfriend oh wow and uh yeah and so they he lived about an hour away from her okay they did the letters and mm-hmm. and stuff thing as well yeah and uh they only, I don't remember how long they dated. It was like three months or four yeah. months or something. And they just knew. And uh, they they got married, I think, at 20, I believe. Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah, it was, uh, it was different, man. Like, um, the first date we went on, I came home and uh, my dad was like, so how'd it go? And I was like, that's the girl I'm going to marry. And, uh, and I found out later on, she had said the same thing, you know, to her parents. So, and we had both dated other people in high school and, um, and of course, you know, I went overseas and, you know, we were, so we were diff- with different people, uh, before I came back. And I think it really, for us, it made it like, uh, I, that f- even though I was with other people, I never felt the same way that I did with her. So, right. and you know, we're not, it's not like, uh, oh, it's this, you know, this perfect relationship. We still had flaws. Like we still had things that we disagreed on that, you know, we weren't perfect. We're not perfect for each other, honestly, but it was enough. Like there was enough good to just, everything else didn't matter. So <laughs> we just right. figured it out, you know, we just figured it out. Like, 
sometimes I feel like people make it really complicated. Um, and I'm like, it's really not that hard, bro. Like, <laughs> just like, just go all in. And, you know, if you feel that chemistry and you feel, you know, I guess the hard part is if the other person doesn't feel the same way, you know, it's whatever, but yeah, yeah. it seems like back then, like what you're talking about your parents, you know, we, we also, you know, our parents did the same thing and it was, it seemed like people kind of followed that trend a lot easier or a lot faster. Yeah. Whereas now it seems like, uh, <laughs> they're like, man, I've been on match.com for like two years. I can't find anybody <laughs> I want to hang out with. I'm like, damn, you must be picky as fuck, bro. <laughs> you need to try something else or something. I'm saying quit being so OCD about somebody. I don't know. <laughs> Holy some shit. Christian Mingle or some farmers only. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. I know. I heard. I've heard so many weird things about all these different dating apps. Um, I used one one time. My wife and I split up uh, years ago, and obviously we got back together. But uh, well, I split up. I used that uh, one of those. I don't even know what it was. Okay, it was whatever the easiest one was, where you didn't have to go through a whole fucking test. Um, oh yeah about your personality. Okay. I was like, bro, I took all these tests before the military. I don't want to, you know, whatever. So, um, and then getting out too. But, uh, I think it was like plenty of fish or something like that. So we, I met up with this lady at the, uh, at a bar and she was fresh out of a relationship, which I'm, you know, I understand, you know, people on, on there, she was very nice. We had a few drinks and we just, there was nothing there, man, like no chemistry. Um, and it could have been the timing, you know, she was just really, she talked about her ex the whole time, uh, oh. so, which honestly didn't bother me. It was, at least it was conversation. It was just, uh, I just didn't feel like any kind of draw. Right. Um, right. good person. Just, it wasn't, she wasn't for me. So, um, she left and that was the only time I ever used a dating app. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, I mean, I'll just do it the old-fashioned way. You know, if I want to meet somebody, I'll just go out, hang out, get around people. Like, you got to get out of your house, you know? Right. Go meet somebody in, in person. But, yeah, it, it was fine. But my wife and I are back together. We're good. Uh, you know, and we um, we enjoy hanging out. So we don't always agree on everything, but that that's so minor now, especially after being together. We've been together 30 years. So it's a oh. long time. Mm-hmm. So our, our little spats now are like nothing compared to, you know, cause we're just like, we already know each other very well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And they always say the first year is the hardest. Mm-hmm. We've went through a lot of ups and downs with ours and still trying to sure. figure out things and just challenges that have come personally for both of us and dealing for with sure, them man. and stuff. So like, look, the two things, okay, in the first year of marriage, you got to get right. So somebody's going to have to give in. You cannot compromise on these two things. How you squeeze the toothpaste tube, either from the middle or the bottom, okay, and how you put the toilet paper roll on the fucking toilet paper thing, okay? If you put it where it's going out the back, then you're fucked up. It's wrong. Okay. You got to put it coming out the front. If you squeeze the toilet paper or the uh, toothpaste thing from the middle instead of the bottom, you know, where you roll it up and stuff yeah. and keep it all nice and neat. If you squeeze it over the middle, you're wrong. You got to do it 
this way. You got to do it from the bottom, okay? <laughs> if you can't agree on that, your relationship's going to be fucked. <laughs> I'm kidding. My wife does the uh, toilet paper roll opposite. She does it the wrong way, okay? And she squeezes the toothpaste thing from the middle. Oh, dude. I, I can't believe when I think back on our first year of marriage, like, that that was the thing that bothered me a lot, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. So what do you guys, what's your, uh, what's your guys' biggest struggle so far this year, this past year? Little, little things like that in your relationship. I wouldn't say like little things, uh, toilet paper thing. It's like, it's back and forth. Sometimes she does it the back way. Sometimes it's on the front. It just, yeah. It's, but, uh, I think it's mostly if it's been struggles with things, it's just been like personal things between the two of us. Yeah. Or like for us individually and just mm-hmm. being for each other with it, with the hardships of it. Gotcha. With me, like with what I've been going through with my shoulder and the blood clots and yeah. uh, I deal with anxiety stuff. And they put me on a drug called Prozac and yeah. um, it, it basically the first two days I was on it, it was almost like uh, I was high all the time. Or like, oh, okay. Um, I was like bubbly, yeah. and happy, right? And I didn't care about anything. Yeah. <laughs> and so I would say whatever I wanted to, and not care like what I said. After but you said it days, in a happy tone, so it was all good. Well, the, uh, the first two days it was, and then after that, like, um, uh, became like an emotionless zombie. Didn't oh. care about anything. Wow. So, like, I was more blunt. Um, I was getting angry faster. Gotcha. Um, and then as I continued to take it, it just got worse and worse with symptoms, and so I stopped oh. taking it. Um, and so We had a guy, I, I've never taken that before, but uh, we had a guy that we worked with years ago in one of the factories I was at, and uh, he, was on, he was really depressed, and then he got on Prozac, and when he'd come into work... Uh, we started work early and um, he got on Prozac, same thing. He was really yeah. happy and we always make the, he, you know, we, he would come up and start talking and I'm like, damn, bro, you're in a good mood. He's like, yeah, man, I had Prozac delight for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay. Yeah. But it wore off then. It didn't, it didn't keep helping you. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, with the blood clot, I'm, I'm on Zarelto, which is the blood thinner. Yeah. Or it's an anti-platelet. Um, and I'm on that for the next six months. Mm-hmm. So when I get shot and stuff from Airsoft, I bruise easier and yeah, thing. But it's no big deal. Um, I mean, I've dad, he, when he almost passed, he got diagnosed with Factor Five, which is just a blood clotting disorder. So he's on Coumadin in the rest of his life. Oh, okay. So they tested me for that since I had this blood clot. And thank you, Jesus, I don't have it. Gotcha. Um, so that's good news. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, those, I mean, yeah, well, I got to imagine too, man, uh, your job, like, uh, firefighters, you know, most, most of the time firefighters, you know, your EMTs, your, uh, you do, you deal with a lot of, um, other traumatic events besides just fires. Like most of the time, there's not a whole lot of fires, like constantly. There's more, 
car wrecks or, you know, accidents and stuff that, uh, firefighters deal with that, um, you know, not just putting out a fire. So, uh, those kind of things I would imagine, you know, take a toll on your, if you can't, you know, process it afterwards, like have some way to, you know, release or whatever, like, you know, you play airsoft or you have, you know, a hobby or something like if you, uh, if you let it get to you, it can probably cause some dark moments for you because, uh, it's not, it's not easy to carry that around. Like if you can't let it go, you know, images and stuff. I mean, I've, I've grown up in the MS and like emergency world all my life. Um, you, I'm not saying it doesn't bother me. Uh, of course you feel bad. Well, right. For me, I've seen, I've went to several DOAs, Mm -hmm. uh, which are, you know, passed away on arrival of the scene. Right. Um, or dealt with people passing away in the ER when I've, I've done stuff in the ER. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'd, I realized and I've known for a young age that, you know, passing away is, it's part of life. Absolutely. So yeah. it, it doesn't, it doesn't bother, it doesn't bother me that bad. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I know it's part of the job. Right. Um, but you, just how you, handle it yeah really. my my uh my buddy that i grew up with his name's eric as well and uh he went in the army i went in the marine corps he uh he got out he did two years and got out and when he went back to our hometown he became a fireman and uh he's been a fireman since then so it's like 30 years uh in the same hometown we grew up in <clears throat> and uh now when i got out you know years later and went back and i was uh I worked in a factory for a handful of years, and then um, I was looking into being a firefighter. I took the test and you know did well on that and everything, but um, I I backed out because I had little kids at the time. He and him and I worked. I would help him on side jobs, so he would do like on his days off. He would do you know landscaping and shit like that. <clears throat> so we hung out, and I was asking him. Hey, uh, so, you know, guys have a lot of fires. I didn't realize this is, I mean, I was pretty naive to that field. Um, I didn't know that firefighters were on the scene of most car accidents, you know, a lot of car accidents. I didn't, I didn't realize that. I don't know why I didn't think of that, but you know, I was like, so if you guys don't have fires, you guys just sit around all the time. He's like, no, man, we go to car wrecks all the time. Like that's probably a majority of, of what we do. And, uh, I was like, oh shit. So what he's telling me about like some of the accident, he said the worst ones are when little kids are involved and they're, you know, they're dead in the car. He said, that's, those are the most bothersome. And that's when I knew I was like, I don't think I want to deal with that, honestly, with uh, going home to my kids. Um, so that's when I was like, yeah, I'll just keep working where I'm working. But yeah, it's, uh, I think too, you know, when you are exposed to, uh, you know, some of these situations, you know, have you seen the, like you said, it doesn't bother you. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much the same way. Like I've been on, I, I work well under pressure. So I've been mm-hmm. on scenes where people have been, you know, injured and, 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 uh, dead or whatever. And it's, uh, it, it doesn't bother me. 
even after the only one that bothered me, I, you know, was my dad. Uh, he a, a tree fell on him, and um, so that bothered me. Thirty days after the event, yeah, like I was <laughs> complete, I guess shock or whatever, you know, taking care of my mom and sisters, and, and then thirty days after is when I broke down. But I was um, most of the stuff, you know, uh, events like that, I don't, you know, never really. I didn't think too much into it. You know, I just handled the situation at the time and then didn't really, you know, ponder it uh, afterwards. It was, it was like, Oh shit, I'm, I'm sad for this person. But you see those pictures where um, cops or first responders are standing by an accident or a suicide victim or whatever. And they're like talking to each other and they're, you know, they're smiling. Right. And somebody takes that, that hasn't been in this field, takes that out of context. Like, Oh, they don't care. It's not, you know, if you say, like you said, it doesn't bother you, it doesn't bother me, It's it doesn't mean we don't care. That means right. I'm not going to have a nervous breakdown about it, you know? <laughs> it, it sucks and, to see, but... Right, it's like when I had that that uh, that kid at Nashville that had that diabetic ketoacidosis episode. Yeah. His blood sugar was 600. Normal, uh, yeah, the no- Yeah, the normal level is between 90 and 120. Right. And this kid, it was four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, the only thing he had all day was a monster. Yeah. And he's supposed to take a short-term, a sh- short-acting insulin three times a day, and a long-acting in the morning. Gotcha. And he hadn't had any insulin, and he hadn't eaten anything all day, and all he had was a monster. And he was playing mm. airsoft. And so, and he was seizing and. Uh, like and it was just like yeah, play dead weight basically. Right. Um, and so if you can't handle the big situations, you can't handle the small ones. Right. And so that's why it's like whenever I'm at Nashville, I'll have all these other players like crowding me, be like, "You need to do this. You need to do that," and not, have no idea what it actually is going on. Mm. I'm like, Ace, let me do my thing. Let me let me take care of it. If I need yeah. something, I'll holler at you. Now, did you have uh, did this kid have a known issue or something? Did he have an EpiPen on him, or did you have one? Uh, I don't carry one on me. Uh, they're yeah. prescription only. Um, oh, okay. And so, which Epi in this case wouldn't have done anything. Oh, that's was, not not for diabetic ketoacidosis. It's when your blood sugar is way too high. Oh, oh, oh! So your I'm body's thinking of anaphylactic not, shock. Okay. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. um, his body didn't have any insulin to cope with the shirt. So what did he, uh, yeah. So how'd you handle it? Or how, uh, how do you get somebody out like that? Yeah. I called 911, deal with the seizing issue. So um, he didn't choke on his tongue or something. And so got him in the floor, laid him on his left side. You know, so if he did throw up or whatever, then right. he would choke on it. Mm-hmm. Um, had him call someone called 911 to come take care of it. Um, you deal with the you deal with the patient with the time that you have with them. You get as yeah. much information as you can. Um, which he had him medical history of autism and diabetes. Oh, and yeah. uh, and this kid was like fourteen. God, that sucks. And I'm like, I'm like, where's the what's the mom doing? 
Yeah. I'm like, yes, this is a, a teenage kid, but he's also very autistic. Like, you can't always trust them to be able to take care of themselves in their own meds all the time. Right. I'm like, that's part of your responsibility as a parent. Like, you got to make sure your kids have their, their meds or this is going to happen. Yeah. Like um, a backup plan, too. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm. yeah. Just, I yeah, I'll it. bet everyone's freaking out, but they were glad you were there. Yeah, this is uh, so you know a lot of these mill sims and stuff. These guys, you know, there's a lot of chance for injury because some of these mill sims are uh, the AO that they choose. It might be an abandoned mall. There's one going on this weekend in North Carolina that uh, you know a bunch of people I've had on the podcast are at right now or have been at this weekend. That uh, I forget what part of North Carolina it's in, but um, they're in an abandoned mall and things like that, man. You don't know. There's, you know, glass. There's, uh, you know, all kind of things, you know, some stairs like somebody could fall over the railing. You know, Uh, you have to prepare for a lot of different things that could go on. And these uh, guys that set up these mill sims, they've got to have EMTs on site. You know, they've got to have like special you know, whatever it is, extra water, they've got to have certain things that you could give somebody to kind of bring them out of some situation they're in, you know, to help them until uh, the real guys, the professionals get there, you know, yeah. uh, like for real. Yeah, it's, you know, it could be dangerous, but yeah, that's good that uh, they got you over at the uh, field there. Yeah. I have another guy in, in Kentucky is um, having a pseudo seizure. Uh, What's that? Well, you've got different types of seizures that are um, caused by different things. Some of them are, you know, something a chemical imbalance in the brain usually gotcha. uh, that causes some most types of seizures. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a pseudo seizure is usually stress related. Gotcha. Uh, when you get so stressed that you, you know, you start to seize. Yeah. Uh, but it's not. Is it uh, like a restricts blood flow and stuff typically yeah. from the stress? Yeah. Okay. And so this guy was having a pseudo seizure and it was triggered by this other guy. And so that he had a uh, conflict with. Mm. And um, so his, all of his vitals were normal. His blood pressure was up a little bit, but you know, I had, had someone call number one for him as well. Yeah. Um, I tested all his vitals and stuff. Cause I have my own bag with, uh, stuff I can oh. be vitals enough to at least get someone. I was going to ask you that. You take uh, like a first aid something with you? Yeah, I've got my own medical bag and it's got uh, bandages and blood pressure cuffs and all gotcha. different types of stuff in it. And uh, so I'm like, you know, I got him calmed down. Once I figured out it was a pseudo seizure, it was just how he was acting. When I got him calmed down. His vitals went normal, all back down to normal. Oh, okay. And so I was like, you know, since you have a history of this, I might someone to get you checked out. Okay. That type of thing. Yeah. Uh, so, but it was all right. It was just getting him calmed down. And that's the biggest thing is like, my dad always says like, we're like detectives because yep. we, we get a general idea of what the, Paul is, but we don't, uh, it, it could be, there's been multiple times where we've gotten calls for something simple, simple, like, you know, person fell down 
mm. and then be in respiratory distress or be beaten up on the side of the street or yeah. whatever, or it'd be completely opposite or different of what we were told it was. Right. And so we have to figure out why something happened and all kinds of different things. Oh, there's all kind of stuff, man, that most of the, the general public don't know. Like uh, I had a friend that uh, they were out on a boat uh, on Lake Norman, you know, North Carolina. <clears throat> Fell off. Uh, I don't know if he was unconscious, but somebody, uh, he had a vest on. He had a life vest on. But his head was, he had sucked in some water, okay? Sure. And I mean, he didn't die, like, you know, but he was unconscious. So they, they pumped the water out, right? Got him to choke it up. And he was, it was like literally a matter of the whole process was just a couple minutes. Okay. But as far, it was like one gulp of water, but inhaled. Right. And, uh, but because it sat in there, so he, he, they bring, you know, he's fine. No big deal. It wasn't like, Oh, he died. And now we had to bring him back. It was like just a really fast interaction, but there's something about some kind of bacteria or something in seawater that if it gets in your lungs and it, and you don't, go get it, what do you call it, aspirated, or, you know, I don't know, you have to get some kind of treatment. Well, anyway, it sat in there, so the next, I don't know, was it, like, I think the next day, or maybe two days later, he was, like, almost dead. He had to, they had to rush him to the hospital, so huh. it was some kind of reaction that he had from some bacteria in the uh, lake water uh, that gets in your lungs. So, anyway, but, I, you know, if if somebody gets called to the scene like that, like, this is an event, like, oh, we don't know what's wrong. He can't breathe, right? Like, oh, shit, what? Oh, yeah, two days ago, he fell in the water. We just, you know, got him to choke up the water, and he was fine. He was totally fine. He, was, he acted normal all day, and, like, it would be really hard to figure out what, you know, what the hell's going on. It was, like, uh, two quick stories. But, like, my dad, he, he would help me with different scenarios for EMT school. And one of the calls he had was a uh, complaint of an earache. Mm. And it ended up being a heart attack. Holy shit. <laughs> That's crazy. And then, yeah, one call that I had when I was in EMT school, because we had to go through rotations and stuff, uh, we got a call for this guy out in the middle of nowhere for a seizure. So they went out, and this was before I was on the shift. And he refused to get transported. And then I got on the shift, and the first call was the same guy, but right down the street from the hospital. And cops were there and um, and everything, and this guy was very combative, and he lo- tried to end up locking himself back in his truck. Hmm. He didn't want to go to the hospital. Long story short, they gave... Uh, they- Got the guy to the hospital. They intubated him, put a vacuum tube into into his stomach, and because uh, they didn't know why he was seizing. Yeah. And the doctor said that they put enough drugs in this dude to kill him. Still seizing. And uh, they put they gave him like a. He's still here. There he goes. Um. They they gave him like a paralytic, like the top dose of a paralytic. They gave him as much ether meds as they could. Um, but he had actually swallowed like, like the the vacuum or like suction that we use. It's a gallon container, 
that thing was completely full of meth that he had swallowed. Meth? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> oh my god. He had swallowed a full, like a whole gallon full of meth. That's oh. why this guy was seasoned and being all combative. What the? Was it? Was, so was he trying to? He, he was trying to get rid of bags of evidence or something, just swallowing I it, and then they, all the know. bags dissolved. Holy shit! I don't know. Because I can't imagine. I mean, that's like eating powder, bro. Like it just gets. You know, dried up in your mouth. Like, how are you even gonna shovel that in fast enough to get that much in your system? God dang, <laughs> that's so crazy, bro. People, you know, when you hear these stories, I mean, there's so many people on the planet. You're gonna hear some crazy shit happening. You know, you just never know. But there's, dude, that's wild. Okay, like, uh, we'll always talk about Narcan. Narcan is the overdose, like cure pretty much what is, what is uh narcan i think i've heard the word but i don't know what it is narcan uh they, they use it for overdoses oh. um and so it's it's a nasal spray or you can do it through uh through, um, injection gotcha thing is with narcan is you can actually overdose on narcan so, so what is narcan supposed to do um make you vomit a lot of people think that with narcan so little pharmacy lesson for you, I guess. Like, the way that, like, narcotics and, like, these, like, cocaine and fentanyl and uh, stuff like that works is um, in your brain or on your ner- your pain receptors, almost like a pocket, like a U-shaped pocket. Okay. And so what these drugs do is they come in and they attach themselves to those pain pain receptors in that pocket. And so... Narcan, what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to come into the system and not that off the pain receptor. Mm-hmm. Uh, which really what it does is it restores the resp- your respiratory drive. Because when you're overdosed, you, you can't breathe. Oh, shit. But, yeah, so it's supposed to restore your respiratory drive. Okay. Well, what ends up happening with, uh, usually only give like one, you know, two to three doses at max, usually. The thing here, at least here where I live, they give cops Narcan because they're usually the first ones on the scene. Yeah. Because they don't know what's going on. They just think everyone, you know, that they're overdosed. And so they hit them up with like N plus Narcan. Yeah. And end up, they're overdosed on some foreign substance and now they're overdosed on Narcan. Holy shit. So now we got to deal with that. So, so what do you? What's the? Uh, how do you treat Narcan overdose? You give them, give them that same drug back. Like, uh, if they're, if you give them Narcan for meth, then you give them too much. You just give them a little bit of meth. Uh, I don't remember the. I don't remember the antidote for it. You probably yeah. could give Epi for it. Um, okay. And just keep the patient stable. Yeah. Um, which that doesn't happen that often. That happened a lot more often whenever Narcan first came to be mm. uh, which is now required by doctors that uh, when they give narcotics like after surgery if the patient's already on um, like maintenance narcotics or benzos uh, which is your Xanax, Ativan mm. um, stuff like stuff like that 
Yeah. Because uh, mixing benzos and narcotics is a no-no. Gotcha. And people do it anyways. And so if you're already on those types of meds and then they give you a post-surgery narcotic, then they're required by law to give you Narcan. Oh. Um, decision whether they want it or not, but right. at least prescribe it. Okay. I could talk drugs all day. Airsoft and drugs, <laughs> I could talk about all day. I mean, it's I, it's interesting to me. I, I've always been fascinated with the uh, the medical stuff. I think the science part of it, um, I always liked the, uh, like, uh, how, what is it called? Um, not physics, uh, chemistry, right? Like, everything in our universe, in our, in our bodies, like, some of the most important, I think the, the secret to life or whatever is, you know, the, uh, like the long-term, like longevity and shit, it's chemistry. If they figure out these combination of, of things, you know, down on a molecular level, uh, that they can put together, it makes the miracle drug or whatever, you know, like, um, like how the, you know, with, um, water, like drinking water over the last, uh, you know, 10 years or so, five years, it's been really popular to have these, uh, alkaline, whatever, uh, boosted or whatever waters oh, like and high pH, pH water, yeah, pH balance. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't understand it. I just like it. I like that it's, uh, there, there's people out there that understand chemistry, like, uh, you know, it's just, it, it's fascinating to me. You know, how all these different things um, mix and match and different, you know, whatever. And, it, and it, you can create, I mean, obviously some bad things, uh, but some really good things as well, you know. So, I don't know. It's been, so anyway, I'm interested in all this. Uh, and obviously the medical field is uh, is based on, you know, the, well, pharmacy, right? All your pharmaceuticals are based on chemistry. So they got to get the mix just right. It was always fascinating to me. Here, here's something really basic that I think most people don't think about is uh, something as simple as uh, ibuprofen. Okay. Now for me, and I bring this up because it's such a, uh, a good thing for me when I need it. Um, I don't take it very often, but when I do need it, that shit has worked flawless since like the nineties. Okay. When I got out of the military, if I uh, if I went running, I used to go running with uh, like a backpack and you know chest car- uh, plate carrying shit on, like in the woods. Okay, I was still in that military mode, whatever. I twist, I I sprained my ankles a lot. Um, I guess just the biomechanics of how my how I you know I my hips are, my feet land or whatever. I was just prone to that my whole life, and um, so I was very used to it. It hurts like hell, but. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it hurts at the time and it really, really hurts the next day after you've been off your foot for, you know, a good 10 hours. So ibuprofen has, even back then, like it's been a miracle drug for me. I don't like painkillers. I don't like how they make me feel. But ibuprofen has always been a really good thing. And I'm thinking the amount of hours and manpower it took and tests that it took to find this thing or create this thing that that does such a really good job at what it's supposed to do, at least for me and I'm sure a lot of other people. It's not, I know some people that doesn't really do that much for them, but um, and and it doesn't. You can take it 
and still eat whatever you want. Like it won't react to anything. You can still take other things, you know, like it's not going to uh, kill you instantly if you drank a, you know, whatever, like just a soda or um, it's just wild how they figured out something that can can fix this issue uh, even temporarily and or give you some kind of temporary relief. And it's so powerful that way, but it doesn't make you feel like you're drugged. Like it doesn't have a narcotic effect. It doesn't, uh, you know, interact or, you know, like a bad reaction to anything else I'm taking. Like, it's just, it's so, it, it blows my mind. Um, it, it had to be a lot of tests to come up with that shit. Yeah. So I appreciate that side of medicine, you know? Uh, yeah. So anyway, I'm interested in it. So yeah, I could listen to you talk about that kind of stuff for, <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> but anyway, back to airsoft. <laughs> We're, uh, yeah. what is that? Oh shit, <laughs> dude! I was talking to this guy, and I apologize, everyone listening to this. Uh, you guys know me. You know this is how our podcasts go. So many times I'll be talking. I, I was talking. I can't remember who it was. Uh, I, oh, it was uh, Newsom. Um, and uh, I was talking to him a couple weeks ago, and uh, and it was an hour exactly an hour into the podcast before we even mentioned the word airsoft. <laughs> and uh, he goes, so we started with it. <laughs> we started with it <laughs> and you showed off some guns. I he goes, uh, so I guess I should talk about airsoft. I said, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so uh, anyway, yeah, man. So, all right. So you play at Nashville airsoft. Uh, you're, you're the uh, EMT there. You got your own team FRA, which is uh which is what again? First uh, responders, airsoft, yeah. right? Okay, makes sense. Totally. Uh, you guys got a, a handful of people on your team. You're looking for more uh, experienced players. Okay, so now yeah. how does, if somebody is in that area, they kind of have been playing for a little bit, they want to join your team, they don't have a team, how would they find out? Or how would they hit you up? What's the best place to like reach you on that? Oh yeah, you can. I'm the one also in charge of the Instagram account. If you have an Instagram, always direct message me um, there. Or I'm usually at Nashville either every week or every other week. Now that I'm doing that's one stuff, I'm there the second weekend of the month. Um, but you can always message me through the Instagram accounts. First responders airsoft. Uh, it's got our logo as the picture, um, and so if you if you're interested, yeah, just reach out to me, and uh, we'll see what you got, and we'll try you out, and go from there. Hell yeah! I, I mostly, I I tell everyone that I I bring on um, that I run my team like my dad runs the fire department. Okay. Um, kind of like you guys in the military. You guys are all brothers, and you guys yep. have each other's back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how I run my team. It's like one big family. Uh, we've got each other's back, uh, respectful to each other. Um, I try to always, uh, uh other captain, uh, Landon, he's been with me since I started the team and, um, uh, or other people that have been there with me for a year or more. Um, I look for people that they're not going to bring a negative look on RA. Gotcha. Um, or people that cheat a lot or known for cheating or mm. just being toxic. Yeah. Um, everyone knows 
FRA for as long as we've been around as, you know, really nice people, you know, we have to go into a final match and a tournament that it's going to be a fair match. Gotcha. They're not going to try and we're going to try our best, you know, because things happen, of course, but we're, we're not like motivated to cheat to try and win something. Yeah. Uh, which we're competitive, but we're also there to have fun, of course. Um, it's like we've only won one tournament um, in the two and a half years we've been a team. We've come very, very close to winning tournaments. Yeah. We've got the finals and stuff. Um, we're not going to go play to, to cheat or whatever. And so right. that's the type of people I look for is to keep the good reputation of team. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Now, what are you guys, uh, what's your next big uh, event or tournament or thing that you're looking forward to, you and your team, uh, for Airsoft? Uh, I know that, uh, I think there's a 3v3 tournament at the end of the month at Shot Zone uh, that we've got a team going for. Um, and then we're going for X1, or I'm going for X1 um, next weekend. Gotcha. So I think I just saw a post for the uh, the one you're talking about at Shot Zone. Yeah. Okay. Just saw a post on Instagram for them. I've talked to a lot of people that have played it at Shot Zone. I love it. I love Ethan's a great guy. He runs his business well. He cares about the players. Um so and, and I like the field. Right. So it's a good it's a it's on an old uh indoor soccer field. So yeah. I'm used to that ter- kind of terrain anyways. Uh-huh. And so uh having paintball bunkers and stuff it was of course different because i'm used to like the hardcover yep eqb uh well then once i got to play on paintball bunkers um a lot of people get mad at me because um one of the events i went to for 1v1 um we were me and the guy were like on completely opposite sides of the field and there was a huge barrier in the middle i couldn't even see him he couldn't see me either turned my gun like this and it curved so much all the way around this barrier and hit him and I didn't even know I hit him and once he started walking towards me I was like oh okay and so with these paintball bunkers like I can easily just like curve it around a Dorito and he Uh hit people and uh I've heard of that before you know just if you're hop up you just <laughs> you could make it curve if you turn your gun sideways. Mm-hmm. You know, Shot Zone. Uh, when I was when I started these podcasts, uh, I started talking with people that play the indoor. You know, a lot of the speed stuff. The um, when I first heard about it, when I when I went to their site and I saw their, you know, I went to their Instagram page and I saw the uh, the field, like pictures and videos of the field. I was like, holy shit, man, this is uh, so different than all these other indoor fields that I've seen because number one, it looks professional because most indoor fields, they're uh, pallets, plywood, like, you know, shit like that. Like it's uh, plexiglass, you know, obviously I understand, you know, plexi is a, is a thing in, in tournament or, you know, in the setup, but um, it's uh, they don't look as bright. Like they're all dark. Like most of the fields I had seen, they were all dark and dingy looking and just, uh, you know, all this old wood and uh, structures that were real, you know, basic like that, you know, hard structures. And then shot zone was paintball, 
uh, you know, uh, barriers and then really bright, you know, yeah. turf on the ground, green, colorful, uh, bright indoors. I know, um, when I was talking to Pumbaa, he said, uh, when they first opened up the, um, you couldn't really see where your BBs were going because it was so bright. So what they did was yeah. paint the wall, I guess, um, like at a certain height, like all black, like yeah. a black strip around the wall. So you could, you know, most people could see their, uh, where their BBs are going. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like a really cool place. I, I need to talk to Ethan cause I've, we've talked about shot zone on this podcast at least 50 times, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. But they, uh, they had NSL there. Right. And, uh, I don't know if I should disclose a lot of the background stuff that happened with that. Uh, you saw, so. Well, I, I kind of, we've already talked about it on the podcast because uh, it was just the confusion with uh, yeah. like the refs and the, and of course the teams and stuff that um, didn't know that they were up, you know, next. And there were, there was a, cause I watched it. I watched the live stream of it. So there were times when, one team was up and the other team wasn't even there you know, on the field. Um, so I do know about the, you know, some of that people have already talked about it is what I'm saying, basically. Yeah. So it's not, I mean, you know, you seem like a kind of guy that's not going to be like, and this goes for anybody, you know, when you're talking about something, you can, you know, almost everyone on here has been very respectful about some of the, you know, if they've ever brought up anything, uh, any kind of drama that has affected them or their team or a certain event that they were at, They've always been very respectful on how they talked about it. Yeah. And that's that's always cool. I think that's that's a good thing. But yeah, there were some issues with that. And I I figured there would be because it was the first one that they were having, you know, over here in America. Brad and you've got NSL guys which are from Europe all t- talking in one language and then you've got US yeah. refs. They're not even on the same radio channels, so they're not even communicating <laughs> to each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think uh, so. The big obstacle I've heard with a lot of these tournaments is the uh, is traveling. So you'll have, you know, NSL started in Shot Zone, which is in uh, Indiana. Then you've got they went to uh, Tampa, right? CIA Tampa. Oh. I talked to some people that you know that were there, and then. I forget where it went after that, but they're going to end up in Rhode Island. What's that? Extreme. Yeah, Extreme Airsoft, right. Yeah, which is up in, uh, where is that? Pennsylvania? Rhode Island? I think so. No. I can't Something remember. Like I can't either. I think it's in that area, like the Northeast. And then it's it's got a really up. nice field, though. Yeah, right. That's what I've heard. So... And a lot of these teams, they can't just stop what they're doing and travel, you know, pay for travel to these, uh, you know, that many states away, get that kind of time off of work. Um, you know, it's a huge expense, right? A very big expense for these teams. So it's, um, I understand that now I, I, you know, I was thinking there would be like, um, maybe like a bunch of local tournaments throughout the country like every like once a month 
in that same spot. Let's say CIA Tampa would have an NSL tournament once a month um, while at the same time, uh, you know, Shot Zone is having one NSL type of tournament at their place on the same day once a month that, you know, these other guys are having. And then whatever teams are local to them, that's where you kind of, you know, have your bracket, you know, like, okay, these guys won against these guys, just like in our, you know, regular sports like football. I mean, Ohio State doesn't travel to California, right? They don't travel that all the way across country to play, uh, a, you know, a team out there. No, that you have divisions and you play in your region. And right. so uh, I thought maybe it would be something like that. I think that would be probably a better way to do it where teams like yourself – would be um, like if you if you had an NSL tournament once a month at Nashville Airsoft or really close to you, you'd be like, okay, we can prep for this, you know, give us something to work on. But when you throw in, uh, okay, uh, we'll play okay, here this yeah. month, and then next month we're going to play, um, you know, in New York. Like you're not going to go from Tennessee to New York. No, it's like <laughs> a 13, 14 hour drive by itself plus yeah. hotel. Right butts per team to play mm-hmm. I'm like looking at at least at grand yeah. uh, on play so yeah <sighs> yeah well you guys uh, yeah that's good man you got some some stuff to look forward to with your team uh, you got some good stuff going on you're growing your team and uh, sounds good yeah <laughs> looking forward to it so uh Tell everybody again where um, where they can find you you guys online. Yeah, so uh, you can find us on First Responders uh, Airsoft on Instagram. Uh, the logo is just our our logo, um, or the picture is just our logo. If you ever want to talk to me about anything personal or team related, or I just have general tech questions or whatever, you can always just direct message me, and I'll get right back with you. Um, I won't leave you on red. <laughs> and, uh, but uh yeah I, a shout out to everyone that's that's watching uh today or will be watching later and uh i love all of our supporters and sponsors and everything and awesome. i really appreciate you having me man I, oh it's really sure, good to man. finally meet thank you thank you yeah great to meet you too man uh, speaking of sponsors who's uh who you want to give a shout out to uh take one uh blowback uh, Hefe, um, Hefe's airsoft and, solutions. Hell yeah! Yeah. So awesome. Try to get a. Uh, I try to get a sponsorship through or a partnership with Five Eleven Tactical. Gotcha. Um, and I tried everything under the sun to try and get in contact with them, and it just didn't work out. So keep trying, man. You'll you'll get yeah. there eventually. Yeah. Do they they supply all the uniforms for Metro for right? Uh, for fire, EMS, like they supply all of the oh, uniforms. They do? Yeah, for, oh, for Nashville, okay. um, they supply all of the uniforms. Nice. I'm a firefighter then. You might know somebody actually out in your area. Um, I was playing, you know, I play uh, Division 2, the video game on Xbox, and I play with uh, a handful of guys from Praetorians and HSA. So Pumbaa, uh, you know, Houdini, and, and a handful of others. Somebody, one of those guys on one of their teams just got sponsored by um, 5.11 on 
on their oh, team. Really? I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, shit. Hey, whoever's, uh, I'll have to reach out to these guys. Whoever's watching this or listening, if you guys know who I'm talking about, um, uh, connect these two here so they can figure out what Please. the secret is. Please. <laughs> <laughs> so you figure out what the secret is. Shout out to five eleven for sure. And yeah. also uh shout out to my sponsors as well. Uh, who sponsored the uh, episodes here is uh, Hefe's Airsoft Solution and also um, Skirmish. So um, if you reach out, actually, uh, if you reach out to Skirmish uh, after our cast here, um, go to his website. I mean, uh, well, you can probably go to the website too, but go t- uh, just message him on uh, Instagram. Oh. Um, hit him up on there. And if you need the uh, the page, I'll send it to you. Uh, find him on Instagram, send him a message. He'll send you a patch. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Awesome. So shout out to those sponsors as well. And, uh, anyone out there that's, uh, that's been following us, uh, this podcast for a while. I appreciate you guys. And, uh, we're about, we're coming up on episode 250. So yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a big, big deal for, for me, you know, and, uh, of course everyone I've had on here. So I appreciate very, very much. And I appreciate your time today, man. I appreciate you coming on. Sir. And, uh, yeah, you enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, you guys have a good, uh, good rest of the weekend. Yep, you too.